Welcome to Tony Talks. Thank you so much. I have Angela Green here, and this girl has just an amazing energy that's off the chart when I met her, and a smile that just lights up the room. I met Angela at Life and Wealth Mastery 2017 in San Diego, and the story I want to share about her oh is one where <laughs> she was at Life Mastery, and she was supposed to have a meal plan. And unfortunately, what happened was at the time, there wasn't one available for her, even though she was promised one. And um, at the time, she she really hadn't gone shopping before and hadn't really done this type of work. Of course, that's why she was at Life Mastery, I'm sure. And me and my wife, Sharon, we kind of do this all the time. So we're kind of a little more familiar with it. And we brought her to a grocery store to start understanding, hey, what you can buy for vegetables and greens and and <laughs> drinks and these sorts of things. And it, it was it was kind of interesting to see the transformation you had in that moment because you're kind of scared and wasn't sure what to what to do or if you could do it. And you all these you kind of limiting beliefs. But what was really amazing is the fact that after Life and Wealth Mastery, after I saw you and spoke to you, it was uh, it was very clear to me how you had completely transformed in that moment um, in terms of, you know, converting all of your eating habits into super eating habits. I remember there was a moment as well at, at Life Mastery where you're holding a piece of kale, eating it just straight raw off the stem. And it was just awesome to see how like you instantly transform like that. I, I rarely see people transform as quickly as you do. And uh, I have to uh, congratulate you for that. Thank you. I love kale. I love my greens, man. They're so good. <laughs> but before I just would eat out, you know, so I never being an independent single lady, right? I didn't yes. have to cook or prepare meals. And so when Tony's talking to us about how to be healthy and have all of this energy from nutrition, I was like, I thought that's what Starbucks was for. <laughs> so to find a new way to do it was just like, whoa, this is cool. <laughs> Nothing against Starbucks because I was totally a Starbucks girl for a long time. But uh, after Life Mastery, not not anymore. Not anymore. Get the coffee line and pick up some green tea or water, vegetables. Love it. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I, I honor you because that transformation was so fast. I just remember you walking around, you got your kale and all your green drinks and everything. It was like the, you know, the person that you were before just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need all that, that old stuff. It was bogging me down. <laughs> well, that's <Rent> awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. That was really awesome. And so, that was so amazing. I mean, I was really moved by how you guys all took me to the grocery store. I was like, okay, you had a car. Oh, you know how to go grocery shopping. And what can we get? Because, you know, we think we go to the grocery store and anything that we buy there is going to be healthy and safe for us. At the very least, safe for us, right? But being in life mastery and getting exposed to 
real information about what I've been putting into my body, it's like, man, I don't want to do that anymore. I got this one body and I got this one life. And if my body is what gives me the experience of my life, then I would rather energize it, cleanse it, nourish it, than bog it down, right? What a great meaning. That's a great meaning to have uh, that will definitely make someone change instantly and can see why that that happened for you now and to be honest it was kind of a pride point like oh yeah I can eat out all the time three times a day or whatever so to and you know oh I like a man who cooks for me you know what I'm saying but to be able to be vulnerable and be like hey guys like I really don't know how to um, prepare meals for myself or how to pick things out at the grocery store you know that was humbling and um the way that you guys totally stepped up and helped out and just really assisted, supported, and took care of me. I mean, I had to. I had to embrace it at that point, you know? Well, good on you for doing so. Thank you. Yeah. So, Angela, tell uh, me and, of course, the listeners about Hi, listeners. your <laughs> about your Tony journey. Always love to hear about where it all started and how it started for you and kind of maybe some takeaways you had. Oh, my gosh. So I love Tony Robbins. Probably my favorite memory of him is at, you know, almost two o'clock in the morning. And it's we're at UPW, which stands for Unleash the Power Within at an event in San Jose and where he's shooting water guns at us and I'm looking at him and he looks at me and we're just inches apart and he he makes direct eye contact with me and it's almost two o'clock in the morning we've been going all day long and he looks me dead in the eye and he mouths the words to me I love you and Mm. I'm like I love you too Tony you know like yes awesome but just to back it up my Tony journey started so um, I actually have done summer sales for over a decade, meaning I go out and I sell door to door. And it started with educational books and software with the Southwestern company. And then it grew into alarms and smart home security. So I work in a male dominant dominated industry and I'm known as Angela, the alarm girl. And that's what I do. I sell alarms and it's so much fun. And it's also a very challenging job. A lot of people can't do it. So to keep our momentum up, our motivation, and our energy, a lot of times the managers would send out, you know, motivational videos and little YouTube clips. And there's Tony, you know, talking and being inspiring. And then after a few summers, my managers brought in someone to introduce us to what it would be like to go see Tony Robbins at a live event. Wow. And we're just like, whoa, this guy from YouTube, we can see him in person, be in the same room as him. And so we registered and my first official live event with Tony Robbins was October 2014 in Dallas. Whoop whoop to all my Texas people or anyone that was there in Dallas. Yeah. And I didn't stop there. I had such an amazing time. I um, purchased his Master University while I was there, which um, I don't want to give away his secrets, but it was a sizable purchase and it included several courses. 
which had me go to date with Destiny in Florida. I want to say that December. And that was in Boca Raton, Florida. And they recorded that and it ended up on Netflix. Shortly yeah, after. I'm not your guru. Yes, yes. He's not. He's not my guru. It's not about Tony. It's really about the technology and the useful processes that he delivers. So I totally get that. And then I was like, man, I really love this work. I want to share it with people. So the next year I brought one person with me, you know, the person, person I was close with, I brought him with me to UPW in LA. And, and I was there too, actually. Yeah. We didn't know each other, but we we're in the same proximity. That was, that was amazing. So I'm like, man, I'm really going to walk on fire again. Like, what am I crazy? But yes, I did it. And he did it too. And then I was like, man, I need to get this into my workplace. So then I brought, a, I, you know, created an incentive. So at this point now I'm a manager. I'm a big, big time area manager, big dog. So now I'm creating an incentive. And I brought about a dozen people out to San Jose to see him live and rented a mansion and just got everyone out there and did their flights and everything. And we just had an amazing time, you know, to be someone who can bring my team, you know, let's say subordinates, right. As well as my office assistant, as well as my regional manager and another regional manager jump in and have us all there to share this work. That was pretty amazing. You know, that That's was amazing. really amazing. Yeah. Really amazing. Definitely. Definitely. And from there, I was like, you know what? I still need more. I like this. So then I went off to Life and Wealth Mastery in October of 2017. And that's where I met you, the great Alan fan. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate the comments. Um, what was one of your biggest takeaways from, you know, going to so many UPWs, Life and Wealth Mastery, Date with Destiny, so forth? You know, I do a lot of work in personal growth and development, but what really stands out for me with Tony Robbins specifically is the, the high energy nature of his events. Like I'm on my feet, I'm dancing, I'm up and out, I'm, I'm making moves, you know? And so for me, really with Tony, it's just that physiology, getting it into my body and especially being able to change my state. How fast, right? So fast, this fast, right? And right. discovering that and being able to apply it, if I'm feeling really down or really sad or really rejected or really upset or like a failure or whatever those down and sad and negative states that I deep, my brain default takes me to all the time, I can go, okay, I got this, Angela. Yes, you know, who's next? And just change my physiology and get up and go. And the other thing I really love about it is his events show me that my body can do so much more than I thought it could. Like, I did not think that this body could walk across hot coals, hot, fiery coals, and not get burned. You know? So my true. body did not think I could climb a 40-foot telephone pole and jump off of it with my fear of heights. Like, no way. And so he's really given me an experience that, wow, my body can do a lot more than I thought it could, especially those 
those days that start at 8 a.m. and go till 2 a.m. And he's out there leading by example on the stage. And if he can do it, I can do it. And, you know, like most people try to get 10,000 steps on their pedometer a day. If I'm at Tony, I'm getting 25, 30,000 steps a day. And I'm just like, I'm still going. Like, I don't need sleep, you know, like. No, but I really, you do, you do need sleep, please, everyone, yeah. for your wellness. But I'm just saying <laughs> with my body, just the things that it can do, you know, the length That's to right. which I can take it and it's fine is really something I got out of my work with Tony. It, that's amazing. It, it's really true. It truly is uh, a breaking limitations in these seminars or courses or programs whatever you want to call them where you you, you're really rewiring what it is that you thought you were capable of Mm -hmm. so I completely understand that I completely agree uh, myself included I mean I I'm kind of like you I'm high energy I really uh, I feed off of that energy I love people that have high energy and I get up early. I usually stay up late. I, I don't get more than six hours sleeps a day, typically. But even at that, you know, Tony pushes it even further than that, right? With us yeah. jumping around everywhere. You say you got twenty to 30,000 steps, but you stood in the same spot the whole time, right? Pretty much. So it's, it's pretty amazing to see what the body is capable of when you push it that far. Yeah, and that reminds me... You guys, when I met Alan, we were on the same team for Life Mastery. And this dude, they asked for a volunteer of who wants to go first, jumping off that 40-foot telephone pole that I alluded to earlier. Alan's like, me, I'll do it. And I'm looking at him like, oh, my gosh, this guy is fearless. Like, fearless. I'm like, can I go last? But, no, he he went first. Alan, you went first, and you led the way. And from that point on, you were our fearless leader the whole rest of the week it was like Alan Alan and then I went third I went two people I was the second person um after you there was another person and then there was me however you want to say that and that's right because of how you led the way it gave me the confidence to get up there take that leap yeah, it was it was a good timing in my life because I had just finished with Leadership Academy as well before that. So uh, I got a, a great distinction, which is leaders go first. And it was clear as well, you're a leader within your circles, you know, being a manager and director or area area manager of, of your people. So, you know, when I when I heard that, I just I knew I had to go first is what I knew. So I, I went ahead and the fear just disappeared when I did that. Wow. Amazing. Good job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. So after we met at life and wealth mastering, you shared something with me that is pretty, pretty, you know, big. Um, And I think the listeners would really like to hear about your story as to what happened after life and wealth mastery in 2017. Okay. Well, I'll be happy to tell you guys. One of the biggest things I wanted to get out of life mastery was a relationship, a partner, a scrumptious, yummy, romantic, adventurous relationship. And after I left life 
and wealth mastery. You guys, my biggest crush ever from high school reached out to me. I see your positive vibes on Facebook. I want to connect with you. Right? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this guy. I haven't heard from him in 17 years. We graduated in 2000. It's now November 2017. And his name pops up on my phone. And I got the butterflies. They just appeared, you know, like as if as if no time had passed. And right. I opened my phone and there it is, a picture of what I wrote in his 10th grade yearbook 20 years before. And I'm like, wow. He said, I just came across this and it brought a smile to my face. Of course, what I had written to him was a paragraph full of compliments and a heart always and my name and my phone number and my physical home address. Like, come find me, please. I love you. But he was clueless that I, you know, liked him and had a big crush on him. So when he sent me that message, I said, well, yeah, I had the biggest crush ever on you back then. As if I'm fine right now, as if, you know, not, not now, but back then. And he's just like, what? No way. I really thought it was the other way around. So that's interesting. It's just so like, whoa, are you telling me like? Ain't telling me what I think you're saying. Like, you liked me. I liked you. Neither one of us knew. Now, uh, now we're both single and looking for somebody and looking for love. And you're connecting with me. Like, this is amazing. Is this meant to be? Like, could this be the one? You know, this blast from the past. So, yeah, um, we met when I was 16. We were both 16 and he was on the baseball team and I was on the soccer team and we were living in a, we were living in Georgia and I had just moved out there because I'm from a army brat type of family. We had just relocated out to Georgia and, you know, saw him and couldn't take my eyes off him. Just the blonde hair and the tan skin and his baseball jersey and just, ah, yes. And he was voted most attractive and I was voted best smile and he was really smart and really funny. And I was just goo goo gaga. Like if he smiled at me in the hallway, I was running home to tell someone, you know, I just couldn't handle it. I could barely talk to him. So when I found out that he had liked me back in high school, I was just floored because I didn't think that I was his type at all. You know, he liked these pretty little, you know, cheerleader types and I'm this tomboy soccer type and just never imagined that he would have noticed me and then he's like yeah you had a smile that lights up the room and I just never thought I had a chance with you so from then you guys we just fell in love head over heels like it was just nothing keeping us apart it was just boom 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 we were traveling to see each other I was living in Arizona at the time he was still in Georgia we started traveling across the country and doing a long distance relationship. I got to meet his mom and that's what just felt like something really clicked and altered in the universe. Like this is the one. And we called my mom and oh, it was just the most exciting time ever. I just wow. knew like, yes, we're in love. Like we're getting married, you know? And then he did propose actually in June of 2000 
18, he got down on one knee in front of about 100 of our peers and let me know you mean the whole world to me and I'd be honored. Would you marry me? And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. You know your mind. Yes. <laughs> and so we were engaged and um, and our, I was involved with his family. He was involved with my family and we were just bringing our two worlds together. We were doing premarital coaching sessions and taking courses together and um you know finally I was completing my career contract with my career so I could move out to Georgia because I had a lot of freedom and flexibility with my life and he was more stationary out there in Georgia so I moved out there and he helped me move in and I was just in love you know it was like flying my biggest fear ever in the world dating back to when my parents got divorced is the fear of being abandoned, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. good enough. Mm-hmm. I love you means I'm leaving you. And that was always there in the back of my head since I was nine years old. When my, and when my dad left, my dad and I are connected now and that's all good and he's great and everything's great. But as a nine year old, I didn't know when I was going to see him again. And I just developed that incessant fear of abandonment and that showed up in my relationships so I would always keep a little bit back you know not really give fully because I didn't want to be hurt and with this guy there was nothing to hold back like he came back and sought me out long distance and everything after 17 years of not seeing each other and three years before that it being my biggest crush ever and now he knows it's meant to be and I know it's meant to be so I can just go all in right so Mm -hmm. I didn't hold anything back I was fully self-expressed and sharing everything and we were traveling together like I said taking courses together involved in each other's families and man I was flying high best best relationship of my life so happy to marry this man and share my life with him Mm -hmm. and then about three weeks after well really so about a week after I moved out to Georgia my mom came in from out of state for my bridal dress fitting and it was at the it was at a famous uh place there in Atlanta and man just we were crying like you know I just look so gorgeous I just was like whoa I'm a bride it's happening it's happening And then his mom was FaceTiming in with us, uh, you know, for an hour, like, you look so beautiful and everything like that. And then about two weeks later, I was down at her house, his mom's house, and uh, she mentioned something to me. And so the next day, I did ask him um, if there might be any drugs involved in his life. And, uh, you know, he said no. And then the next day, he gave his phone to his family and checked into rehab. Right. And his mom mentioned that there might be some drugs involved. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I don't want to gossip or anything like that. But yes, she had a talk with me. And then I had a talk with him. And then next Mm. thing you know, he's in rehab. Mm. So I'm over here freaking out. Like, oh, my gosh. Drugs 
like illegal drugs like he's using drugs like he's using drugs what is going on here i had right. no idea i've never used drugs i didn't know anything about drugs so now i'm like going on google looking up like what are the symptoms of drug use and um it turns out our nation is in the middle of a opioid crisis epidemic and lots of people are dealing with addiction and so I started learning about it and uh, it turns out there's a show on A&E called Intervention I started watching it and it was seven or eight episodes straight had been filmed right in my new backyard in the northern suburbs of Atlanta and I'm just like wow welcome home Angela like welcome to your new neighborhood but really it's not limited to Atlanta this is a nationwide epidemic and one of the things I saw in the show was how people dealing with addiction were hiding their use from friends and family they were lying stealing being resourceful to do whatever it takes to get the drugs and it's because if they don't take the drugs they get dope sick which is a sickness that feels like they're gonna die and if you don't and the one thing that keeps them from feeling that way is the same thing that gives them a sense of feeling euphoric and how the heck do you get out of that cycle right without help or treatment so his family and i agreed not to enable any behavior so he's in treatment and we're just gonna let him get well and i was ready to marry this man so i had already decided in my mind in sickness and in health through richer or poor right all of those things like we're together we're in this together so when right. he sent me a text, I'm checking into rehab. I'm leaving the phone with the family. I miss you. I will contact you ASAP. I'm just sitting there across, like sitting there twiddling my thumbs, waiting, waiting for him. Because at this point, our wedding is less than 60 days away. Wow. So what were you thinking at that point then, 60 days out? I'm thinking we're getting married. We've set this date. It's a three and a half day event that friends and family are traveling in for from all over the nation. And they've booked airfare and they've booked reservations and accommodations. And I have contracts with lots of vendors and this is happening. Like this is happening. So I really want you to get well, babe. Like I'm thinking I want him to get well. And then I, but then I told him also, you know what, if this is putting stress on you, like, let's just cancel the wedding. Let's just do whatever it takes to get you well. We don't have to do that. And, um, you know, he, he said he, that's when he was just insisting there was no drugs involved, but then he did go off to rehab the next day. So, um, And I really didn't know what to do at that point. I honestly, I had conflicting messages in my mind, like, it's happening. Do I not do it? What do I do? So at that point, I just had to wait. So I'm in my brand new apartment in Atlanta, 2,000 miles from my friends and family in Arizona. And now my fiance is in treatment. Well, next thing I know, about a week later, I get a call. And we find out that he's no longer in the treatment center and we don't know where he is. And that was on October 4th. So our wedding scheduled November 24th. So now I'm really not knowing what's going on. 
I just know he doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have a vehicle. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have a home to go to. And he's not in his treatment center. So now I'm going to support group meetings. <laughs> I'm going to support group meetings trying to find out what is this guy doing? Because I don't have any access to him. And um, there's a there's really great support group meetings called Al-Anon for people who love someone who deals with addiction. That's really great. And my favorite meetings were, I'm just going to say these words, you guys, they're kind of heavy, but Crystal Meth Anonymous meetings. If I could find, it's called CMA. If I could find a Crystal Meth Anonymous meeting that was open, I was there because then I could hear people who had dealt with being addicted to illegal drugs, what their journey was like and what they, looking back, realized they had done to people they loved, their parents, their kids, their loved ones, and how it wasn't personal to them. It was just, I got to get these drugs. Like, that's all it is. I just got to get these drugs. It's going to take whatever it takes and nothing else matters. And then now that they're sober, they're getting present to, I want to say, damage that was caused from that behavior. And many of them are taking steps to make amends, right? But this is however long later. So when I shared that I'm here and I'm preparing to get married and I don't know where my sweetheart is, for them, that was normal. They're just like, yeah, I did that, you know? He'll come right. back, you know, and they let me know I'd be gone in their experience using drugs. I'd be gone for months at a time. And then I'd show up like nothing happened, thinking only days had passed or or gone a year at a time, thinking only a few weeks had passed. And um, so he'll be back. So I'm like, oh, wow, I need to renew my lease. So I scheduled my lease out for another year because if he resurfaces, I need to be there, right? Like I, like if what this man needs is love, because what I discovered is a lot of people de dealing with drug abuse, they're actually not bad people. In fact, most of them are just beautiful, wonderful people and they have a drug addiction. And a lot of times it's on top of trauma or not feeling good enough or feeling unworthy of love that has them go use. Now, I'm not an expert. I have taken classes to become a certified addiction counselor, as well as gotten a credential as an experiential specialist through this journey. So I can't say that's the case for everyone, but I will say for a lot of people I talk to, they've had a difficult, they've had a difficult time in their life, right? And wow. so I'm thinking, what this man really needs is just to know that he's loved, that I know his secret and that I love who he is, even with his secret of drug use, right? So I'm like, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to be here. He knows where I am. I'm going to be available. And I renewed my lease. And like I said, I started taking those classes and getting trained. And I met with law enforcement and I met with government officials and I met with addicts and, and people in recovery and people who've been impacted by people with addiction and I was just gaining knowledge and gaining research and how to make a difference and how to volunteer and I volunteered a lot at the recovery center that I saw on the tv show so I'm watching this nationally broadcast television television show intervention and I find out there's a recovery center 
just 15 to 20 minutes down the road from my new home. And it's one of the best ones in the entire nation. So I call up, hey, can I volunteer? And what happens is I end up going there and they get me linked up with support groups. And so really I needed to attend several support groups first. And then I was able to volunteer and start making a difference for the community. But that made a huge difference for me, Ellen, because and I hope, I don't know if this is interesting to you guys or not. It's just, this is my story and this is what my life was like. I feel like I'm rambling, but. No, not at all. Not at all. I love how you got resourceful in that moment. And um, some of this information I'm just, I'm hearing for the first time guys as well. So uh, it's beautiful how you're sharing. We really love it because uh, this just helps others um, as you become vulnerable Others understand that it's not just them and that there are others out there that uh, have gone through similar or same cases. So, um, yeah, we honor you for sharing your story. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That helps me out. Because really, when I found out that he was on drugs, I did not know how to process that. You know, here I am supposed to be a smart, successful, wonderful woman and I didn't even know that the love of my life was using. And, you know, that to me was the ultimate failure. You know, I had transitioned my whole life out across the country to be with him. And not only that, but this is the love of my life. So I'm concerned for his wellness and his well-being. I'm looking out the windows of my Atlanta apartment that sees over the treetops and just kind of like talking to him, like, babe, wherever you're at, you know, I love you. Just, you know, just concerned and concerned for him and concerned for me. And then also concerned for all these guests and everyone that have arrangements to come to our wedding. So what I did at first to be brutally honest is I hid, I hid in that apartment and I, cause at first I would even go get groceries, right? Like, like you taught me, I'd go out and go across the street to the grocery store to get my healthy groceries. And then I'd be checking out at the register, showing them my ID with my card. And they'd be like, Arizona, what brings you to Atlanta? And in that moment, I didn't realize, I realized I didn't know how to have even basic surface level conversations with people anymore I was experiencing what's called trauma like I was in trauma and I couldn't answer simple questions like why did I move here where do I work am I single or in a relationship these questions just brought me to tears so I decided that's it no more grocery shopping we're gonna have our supplies delivered so (laughs) There's apps for that now. So now I'm yes. having food delivered. I'm having supplies from the store delivered. I am sitting around my apartment. I'm laying. I'm eating. Oh, and I started doing, uh, and we're not talking healthy stuff at this point. Now I'm coping. Now I'm eating mm-hmm. stuff that's not good for me. I'm drinking stuff that's not good for me. Wine, just be specific. And I'm watching Netflix. And I'm sleeping as much as I possibly can, just hoping the time will pass to the moment that he shows up at my doorstep. Because until then, I don't have answers for anyone. 
And so I did that. I hid, I hid and I hid and I hid and I was about two months and, um, I gained about 20 pounds in two months when I was there supposed to be getting my bright old beauty and glow going right with yoga down the street and the healthy grocery store across the street. So I was doing the opposite, but I forgive myself for that now. But anyways, Mm. it got to the point, as you know, I couldn't leave my apartment. So I'm in this little less than a thousand square foot apartment. No motivation to get up and get dressed, not taking showers, eating food, drinking alcohol, sleeping, and experiencing shame and isolation, like the most isolation and loneliness I have ever experienced in my life. And I became fearful for my life because... I was, I did not feel like I was in control anymore. I would cry uncontrollably. My body would quiver while I was crying. Like I just knew my identity is not going to survive this. It's just not going to survive. And there, and there the idea popped up the realization of, oh my God, this is what it's like. This is what it's like to be just a couple steps away from taking my own life. And I've never had that thought before. And I experienced panic and fear in that moment. And instead of going that direction, I picked up the phone and said, it's time to get in communication. And I called Mm -hmm. my mom and I told her the thing I was scared, the most scared to tell her. And it's, and really, I thought she was going to, not not even like her specifically, but everyone. I thought everyone was just going to be like, what? Like, we paid this money and we made these plans. And, you know, how could you not know? And just, and then you want to talk about drugs now? Like, exile me. You know, in this world, world, world now, it's called unfriending me. And I was just so terrified. Yes. And I picked up the phone and I made the call. And my mom was just like, Ange, I love you. I love you, honey. I'm so sorry you're going through this. I have a room for you. I have food for you. I don't want you to be alone. Like you are loved and I'll be there. I'll be there no matter what. Called my brother, same thing. Called my sister, same thing. And I'm like, what? I thought these people were going to be so mad at me and so disappointed in me, but they just love me anyways. So I decided, look, I'm going to go through with the wedding go through with the honeymoon, had those events, said, let everyone know I'm going to be there. I don't know if he will be, but you're welcome mm. to come or not come. And people showed up and we had a great time. It was the hashtag best Thanksgiving ever. And instead of getting married, I got single, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I love that. With all my friends and family beside me, loving me, supporting me, nurturing me, encouraging me. And that's when I just realized, well, heck, I guess I can't be depressed anymore. I got too much love in my life. Darn it. Time to go be responsible again. So I ended my depression and went on about my business and got back to work. That. That is amazing that you you took a step in that direction. I mean, 
to pick up the phone and call your mom or anybody for that matter, you had so much uncertainty in your life already as it was. To create more uncertainty potentially, I'm sure it must have been just terrifying to pick up that phone and uh, just not knowing what people would say or how they would react. But it's amazing how the human spirit just comes together where, you know, in a moment where you think people will be selfish, they become selfless, Mm -hmm. which is just really amazing to hear. And it's 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 an example right here of how that that occurred. Yeah. And that happened all over the place. And then, you know, I shared publicly on Facebook. And the feedback I got was extraordinary. People I hadn't even seen in a long time or people I was really close to sending me messages and calling me from out of the blue and letting me know like, wow, I can't believe what you're going through. You know what? I have never told anyone this, but here's my story. Here's what Mm. I'm dealing with. And all these stories started pouring in and people started taking new actions that they saw, like they could call their brother who's on heroin and say, I love you for the first time in a couple of years, or they could call that ex and, you know, resolve something in love. And I'm just blown away and honored by the vulnerability people were having with me and also amazed at the freedom it gave us to share. And so that's when I realized, oh, my goodness, this is amazing, where I was covered in shame and felt the need to keep things secret, right? Because that's kind of how it goes in the world. Like, you don't talk about trauma, loss, addiction. Like, that's not cool. Let's just let's just talk about sunshine and rainbows. I'm being extreme, but you, you, you understand the general point. But anyways, yes. I yes. realized authentic sharing we, creates freedom. And that moment where we feel stuck in our hardship, if we could just share with one person what we're going through, that can make a difference and save somebody's life. Absolutely. I mean, this is a pure example of you never lose, you only learn. Um, your vulnerability opened up people to understand that, you know, their vulnerabilities were not, you know, uh, just their own and and it was just happening to them which is you know it, it turned a bad terrible situation into something beautiful where they had the opportunity to feel comfortable and open to talk to the people that they cared about most that was going through something similar yes mm-hmm. well i'm sure everybody would like to know now what is going on with angela And um, how are you overcoming this now? Oh, thank you for asking. So this just happened in November and this is March right now. So technically I'm still in recovery. I'm still receiving support from my community, which has just been amazing. The way that I have been embraced and supported through all of this has like literally blown my mind and developed a whole new compassion for people that I did not have before and out of that I am I'm actually hosting an event I'm hosting a live event called triumph over trauma where I'm selecting 12 participants to share their story because I think that's what's missing in the world like we talked about that space to share 
the thing that we're dealing with. So I'm selecting 12 people to share their story so they can get it out there. Not really for them, but we do want to acknowledge them as well. So they're going to get the acknowledgement for their triumph because they totally deserve it. And the intention is really to leave the audience members feeling a, like igniting a new confidence, confidence in them to be able to go home and say, honey, you know, I've never told you this, but here's what I'm dealing with or whoever the conversation needs to be with. But we want to get those conversations had so people can experience the freedom and love that is available. Let's talk, right? Let's just start the conversation. Let's start talking. Yeah. And when is this uh, occurring? This is December 14th in Phoenix. And tickets will be available soon. We're going to do an early bird special. And there's four ways to participate. One is you can apply to be a speaker. One way is you can apply to be a volunteer on staff. One way is you can buy tickets and attend the event. Obviously, bring your loved ones if you can. And the fourth way is to become a sponsor for the event. Got it. Okay. And guys, I'm going to have uh, all these details from Angela on the show notes. She doesn't have all of them right now, but please do check back on the show notes. I'll have all the details up links to where you can get tickets or find out more information about this event. Because of course, I think it's extremely valuable, especially for those who are going through trauma or trying to find out how to overcome trauma or triumph over trauma because this is such a valuable topic to be communicating about. Yes. And everyone I've shared it with is just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be there. I'll do whatever it takes to be there. In fact, our first speaker, we did select Tina to be our first speaker and she is traveling all the way from Slovenia to share her message with our audience in Phoenix. And not just her, but um, we have a live musical guest coming all the way from Canada. His name is Kia, K-I-I-A. Look him up online and listen to his music. I personally can't get enough. And he's one of my BFFs now. We were on crew together for Tony Robbins. And so was Tina. So you're going to love, you're going to love the spirits and the people that come and participate in this event. Definitely come be part of it. Well, I had the honor and pleasure to meet Kia as well. What a wonderful story. We're going to be sharing his story on the podcast as well. So can't wait to talk to him and, uh, and hear his story and, and share it with the community here. Oh, you guys are going to love him. And I have to say, Angela, when I met you uh, again at UPW just this past, uh, this past week that we were together, I had no feeling about any trauma that you had experienced. And although you say you're still overcoming it, I'm sure there's still days that don't feel so great or moments that don't feel so great. I didn't have any feeling about that when I saw you. Your energy was still very high. Your smile still lit up the room. It was really amazing to see um, where you're at considering where you've come from. Yeah, well, a lot of that I can attribute to, you know, what I've learned from Tony Robbins and other personal growth and development courses. And that's why I feel compelled to share it. Because a lot of people can't believe how quickly I've progressed from that, from there to here, right? And I'm looking and what was it that really changed things for me? And it was sharing authentically, as well as 
putting out a new future for myself. Things like I went ahead and put new things on the calendar. So I'm doing the Honolulu half marathon in April. I'm going to go hike Mount Kilimanjaro and I'm going to do a practice run in Machu Picchu. But it was just kind of like, okay, I was just at the lowest point of my life. Where's the highest point that I can get to? And hey, why not climb to the roof of Africa and look out over Tanzania and have that beautiful experience as well, you know? So all of that is getting done before the event in December. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to hear about your journey and your stories about uh, where you're going and where you've come from uh, because your energy is just beautiful. And uh, I just want people to know more about it and uh, be able to experience the same energy that you have shared with others. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, you're welcome. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, this is just, you know, about sharing the stories uh, in the community. They're so valuable. There's so many lessons to be learned through these stories. That's why I'm sharing them. I'm not a great podcaster yet. Still getting there. But I appreciate you all for listening and Uh, Once again, Angela, thank you for being on the podcast. And I can't wait to see you again soon. My pleasure. Love you, Alan. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Come out. Come join us December 14th. We'd be happy to have you. Love you too. All right. Bye. Goodbye.